Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 48 of the Landy Lodge. Before we get this rolling, we're going to do a quick roll call to all of the sages of the lodge. The sages are the people who are kind enough to give a monthly donation to keep the lodge going. Uh, this allows us to cover some overhead costs as well as invest in new equipment. So we're going to give a quick shout out to these people because they are the reason we keep this thing going. So, big shout out to Charlotte Astry, Chris Perkowski, Macaulay Warhol, Dan Muller, Mom, Shane Driscoll, Andrew Clay, and Roger Kemp. You are the sages of the lodge. Thank you so much for your contribution. It means the world. Now, let, we're going to get this thing going, but episode 48, our guest will be none other than my good friend and colleague, bandmate, former housemate, Brosh. Now, Brosh is an aspiring author, a musician, a bassist, to be a little bit more specific, and was a former DJ in college. Now, before we get this thing going, we're going to play you a quick tune, and we'll be right on our way. None of that. But something you forgot. See, everybody's forgotten something. You left it out. Just missed it. See? See? And so, I can bring this out, what you've forgotten, if I ask you, who are you? Will you say I'm Paul Jones, or whatever your name happens to be? I say, oh, no, no. no don't give me that stuff. Who are you, really? Who are you? Five, four, three, two, one, and we are live. Brush, welcome to the lodge, my man. Glad to be here. What's going on, dude? So you got a lot going on. I know you're a busy bee. Tell the little people about something that what you're up to. Right now, I'm just uh, living life day by day. I'm gonna just ride the wave until another wave breaks, and then swim out to that wave. So to give people a little catch up here, you and I met in college. That we did? Yeah. And when we got together, you know, I, I naturally, I was a guitarist. You were a bassist. I'd already been jamming with a buddy of mine, Steve. You came around and jammed with us. And before we knew it, the band Termina had formed. That it did. And you were the much needed bassist we needed at the time. Now, when we were together back in college, we played a bunch of shows around Orange County and Long Island. But these days, we're doing things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Uh we're a bit of a long distance band. I'm out here on Long Island. Uh, Steve is up in Albany. You're in Liberty. So I'm in more Liberty, yep. up in Liberty. Mm-hmm. But we do a lot of our own recording and we send that to each other. Um, and we do our own mixing and mastering. So definitely a grassroots type. Band. Definitely a grassroots DIY mm-hmm. project. It's That's why it's going to take a long time inevitably for us to put some music out. But when we do put it out, it's going to be strictly from us, by us. It'll be our artistic touch through and through. Uh, how long have you been playing bass for? Because obviously you didn't just start when we met you. No. Um, see, I've been, I picked up the bass, I want to say, eighth grade, maybe freshman year of high school. Didn't get serious until the beginning of my junior year of high school. And it just, once it clicked, it clicked. So what was it that drew you to the bass guitar? Was there a particular bassist? Was there a particular song? Was there a friend of yours? What, what got you there? I mean, I'll be completely honest. Um, I'm going to take the generic answer of I thought it was easier than guitar and didn't really feel like learning guitar. But <laughs> I mean, still in all, 
just that decision to look at the bass and study it and you're like wow you can make some pretty cool sounds with that and it's such an integral part of any rock band and it's so it's so missed when it's not there it's certainly not front and center but you know if it's not there and i feel like that's kind of how i've always been my entire life people always tell me like where were you and it's um it just kind of drew me from that sense I feel you, dude. So what was there? Who are your biggest influences? Um, God, there's a lot. Uh, All right, so just pick three off the top of your head. No specific order. Justin Chancellor from Tool. Uh, Getty Lee. Um, my burning jealousy of him inspires me to become a better bassist. Because I was going to say, you went on a crazy rant about Getty Lee uh, last night. You hate the man. And for those who don't know, Getty Lee is the bassist and front man for Rush. I wouldn't call it a true hatred, but I hate the fact that he's able to play bass so well. It's more envy oh, of anything. Burning envy. Well, dude, I mean, I, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Just coming from a front man who also plays guitar, the complexity and intricacy of Getty Lee's bass parts, to be able to do that and sing the melodies he sings at the same time, it's inhuman. It's, it's, it on, it's honestly kind it of really alien. Is. To be able to have that kind of split-second finger coordination and be, to be able to produce that, for lack of a better term, beautiful sound from your vocal cords that's inhuman i mean the coordination the capacity it's absolutely mind-blowing absolutely mind-blowing so getting back to terminate for a minute i know we're planning to release some music uh at some point in 2020 we're starting to get into booking some live shows we're gonna get more into that in a few months when we have some things concretely booked but what what do you if there's a message you want to send out there uh about terminate because i don't want to sound off on my own podcast about my own band i have you in here for a reason what is it that you would want to say to the people? The wait will be worth the reward. The wait will be worth the reward. Bold words packaged together very nicely. So, Josh, you're working on a passion project writing-wise. I want to, I want to get into your writing. You're working okay. on a passion project. Now, I didn't want to give away what this passion project was because, you know, you're a terrific writer. You've always been a terrific writer. When we're writing the story of Termina, you've always had great inputs. Uh, when you sent me the drafts of this passion project, great inputs. I'm not, not great inputs, but rather... Um, great segments that I've been blessed to read of your rough draft. Uh, when we're writing lyrics, you always come up with something clever. This passion project of yours, tell everyone a little bit about it, please. Okay. Well, one of the things I do to rewind or to unwind rather at the end of the day is to write. I've always been a huge writer. Um, it's just something that came naturally to me, I guess. And <clears throat> If you want to incorporate, you know, I, I want to incorporate two things that I love for the price of one, in a sense. I've always been a massive Star Wars fan, and I've always wanted to somehow put myself or people I know into the Star Wars universe. And so what this essentially is, is a fan fiction of Star Wars, but set with com- completely different people. No connection to Luke, Leia, Skywalker. It's just different people living in the Star Wars universe. So they're your own original characters yes, they are. within the Star Wars sandbox is basically what I'm getting. Yeah, that's exactly it. Now, what what drove you to want to write this? You know, because obviously Star Wars is owned by Disney. Mm-hmm. You know, getting anything fan-made published by Disney is going to be a fucking yes. impossible task. What is it that drove you to do this? Because you've re- your draft is pretty long. Like at least what mm-hmm. you sent me about a year ago. Right. Like you've put a lot of time and effort into this, and it's worth it. It's a great fucking read. But what drove you to want to do this? 
You know, I've been asking myself that question for a very long time, and the best answer I can come up with is it just, it was awesome. It felt like something I could enjoy doing. It felt like something that people, I, I hoped, and I still believe that when people finally read it, they will enjoy it. Well, even from the drafts I'm reading, <clears throat> I'm enjoying it, because there's something about, because at no fault of their own, it feels like every time we've watched or absorbed some kind of Star Wars content, be it the movies or the Clone Wars TV show, or even some of the expanded universe movies they're making now at Disney, it always ties back into that original trilogy. There's always something that's tying it back into the original trilogy. What you're writing is literally its own standalone story set in a different time. Mm -hmm. it, it almost doesn't feel like a Star Wars fan fiction. It just seems like a space opera that you're writing, you know? With your own characters. No, I get that. And, you know, there's Jedi's in it. Sure. You know, there's Jedi and Sith. The whole lore is there. Mm -hmm. But it's almost refreshing to take in content from that universe that isn't tied to that original trilogy from 40, 50 years ago. Right. Or the EU. Or, or the anything. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll just let it know right now. I love the EU. But, uh, and the EU is the mm -hmm. expanded universe? The expanded universe, yes. Um, yeah. I, I think that. It's just taking a concept that, yes, it's not original, it's been done, but let's say, I mean, I know there are plenty of people out there listening that were maybe not fans of the prequel trilogy, and there are certainly legions of people that are unhappy with The Last Jedi. Um, you know, I can't say it was my favorite, I didn't think it was a total train wreck, but still to the point, there's always something that seems to be missing from the Star Wars universe. This is my personal chance to go in and hopefully create something without any missing links. So lately, and I guess we can leave this to internet culture and Reddit mm -hmm. and you know the subreddit prequel memes. Right. It seems like as time has gone on, people are looking at the prequels a little bit more favorably. Now, with that in mind, what is it about these prequel and sequel trilogies that you think is missing, right? Because you, you've acknowledged mm -hmm. that, that everything that's kind of come out since the original trilogy, there's something missing. Well, what do you think that is? Have you pinpointed that? Or are you trying to discover that as you write? I mean, I think that's a very, a very broad answer in the sense that there's always going to be something missing from cinema, media, whatever brings you home at the end of the day. There's nothing perfect out there. And I feel like that's a good thing because why would we expand our horizons? If we found the perfect something to be a fan of. Um, to answer your question, I mean, the prequels... I know a lot of people complained about CGI. They complained about Hayden Christensen. Uh, drawing a blank on her name. Uh, uh, Natalie, Natalie Portman. Portman. Thank you, yeah. Natalie Portman. Um, yeah, there was a lot of wooden acting. There was a lot. I mean, I think they relied entirely on CGI a little too much. Um, the uh, the fact that there wasn't enough action, which I will debate until I'm blue in the face. I agree. That's I think the action. Weird. I think the action scenes were not only plentiful, but I think mm -hmm. they were the most redeeming part of the prequels. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, some of those fights, I'll remember forever, the Yoda versus Count oh, Dooku, okay. you know, Anakin versus Obi-Wan. Sure. Um, the Battle the of General, General Grievous. And Grievous, yeah. Um, yeah, there's just, so, there's just so much that stands out. Um, well, actually, you know, just, just to stay on General Grievous for a second, there was one issue I took with how the film portrayed Grievous. See... And there's a lot of this now with the um, with, with the newest uh, trilogy is that you kind of have to watch the uh, you know the Clone Wars or Rebels or whatever to get a little bit of extra Easter eggs. Sometimes an Easter egg will get through to the point that you really need to have seen the other material to get what's going on. Case in point with Grievous, he has that that cough, that hack, 
Now yeah. he's always coughing, you know. That happened during the Clone Wars cartoon on Cartoon Network. Anybody who hadn't seen that would have no idea. I mean, my first reaction was, okay, cool, why is he coughing? Like, why, isn't that kind well, of Well, fill people in what happened to him in well, Clone yeah. Wars. <clears throat> they basically, I mean, did you know when Clone Wars starts, you got Anakin and Obi-Wan in the uh, the space dog fight. How did yep. they get there? Right, just do me a favor, move the microphone a little bit away from your face. Perfect. Absolutely. Go ahead. Okay, Keep cool. going. Um, <clears throat> basically, that the whole, you know, the events kicked off. There was an, uh, an abduction of Palpatine, which is why mm-hmm. they're in space, right? So they play that out beautifully in the, uh, the the Clone Wars, the Cartoon Network version. They um, It's just a big, long, elaborate chase. You've got, um, I, I can't remember specific Jedi offhand, but the one I do remember was Mace Windu because he shows up right before Grievous gets away with Palpatine and force crushes his chest. And then for the rest of the five seconds you see him, he's hacking his lungs up. That's why he has that cough on that ship in the beginning. That's never explained. And So would you suggest to things. anyone out there who is even a relative fan of Star Wars mm. that they watch the Clone Wars? Absolutely. Yeah. And when I say that, I have to specify. There were two Clone Wars. that There was the Disney Clone Wars and there was the Cartoon Network one. It has kind of a Samurai Jack animation. Um, they were originally 15-minute snippets. Uh, no, I'm sorry, five-minute snippets. And you can find it on YouTube for like the whole four hours of it. Which one I, do you I, recommend they watch? Oh, the uh, the Cartoon Network version, absolutely. Hmm. It, it sticks 100% to source material. It's not. There's no fillers because they have nothing to fill in. Now, I want to pause you. You mentioned a Disney Clone Wars. When mm-hmm. did that come out? <clears throat> I want to say mid-2000s, 2010, 2011. I could have that entirely wrong, but in and around that time. So was it before Disney purchased Star Wars? No. No, okay, so no. this happened like right after. Yeah, I'm pretty give sure. Or take, give, give or take, give or take. Yeah, it was um it, it was something it, it may predate the uh it definitely predates the uh Force Awakens, but at the same time it's It's right on the cusp of when definitely they on the cusp, yeah. Okay, so definitely. all right, I want to take the cat out of the bag. I want to sure. talk about the elephant in the room. Elephant the Rise room. of the Sky Rise of Skywalker oh, comes boy. out in 2 months. All right, all right. I want to talk about it. Okay. I want to talk about Rise of Skywalker. Absolutely. So you are a you're as big of a Star Wars fan as they come. I'm a, I'm sure. a Star Wars fan, but I wouldn't put myself in the same league that you are. Okay. So I want your take. How do you feel going into Rise of Skywalker? How have you felt about the overall sequel trilogy? I want to, the mic is yours, right. Brosh. No, the mic is mine. How do you feel about the sequel trilogy right. and your anticipa- anticipation for Rise of Skywalker? Well, I'll put it to you like this. Um, I re- refuse. I withhold and refuse to make any judgments until I'm walking out of the movie theater. Okay. But, you know, I mean, The Force Awakens, I thought, was more than enjoyable. You know, I, I mean, really like The Force Awakens. Sure, yes. I mean, there are things I would have done wrong, but that goes back to the theory of nothing's perfect. There's going to always perfect. be something about every movie you watch that you're going to not agree with. And that can be amplified if you're a huge fan of Star Wars. Yep. So... But to, to break them down, the um, the Force Awakens, I I definitely you know I I it was something to be able to sit in a movie theater and see a long time ago in a galaxy far far away on the big screen again for the first time since the um, the prequels. Yes, and that was always, you know that got me hooked immediately. But I have really I have no complaints. A lot of people say that it's a re- it's a lazy retelling of a New Hope. I don't see that. Well, okay, so let me challenge that for a second because okay, I'm sure. one of those people. Okay. I like The Force Awakens. I think I think it's a good I think it's a good mm-hmm. Star Wars film. But in many ways it is a retelling of a new hope. 
I don't think that's necessarily a problem, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like we blew up the Death Star again. You know, we lost the mentor figure. You know, Han was the sure. new Ben Kenobi in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was definitely aspects that were blatantly borrowed. I would, you know, more definitely more than borrowed. But at the end of the day, it told its own story. There was definitely glaring similarities, but you can't just say that, well, this is... You're, you're right. You're 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 a hundred percent right. There are mm-hmm. things like the Ray Finn dynamic, right. which weren't necessarily mm-hmm. there in the in a New Hope. Um, I think Finn was overall the most enjoyable part of the Force Awakens because of how well he bonded with everybody. Right. I mean, the, I think among my favorite scenes in that movie are the first scenes with him and Poe. Oh, absolutely. Where, where where they link up together and they steal the ship and break out of the mm-hmm. yeah. It, w- it was definitely a it, it was a great action sequence. It was great at developing their characters. And, and I know was, you're going to get into this, but one mm-hmm. of my disappointments oh, was of with the Last Jedi is that you know Finn established these great relations with both Ray and Poe, mm-hmm. and he doesn't really interact with them at all in the Last Jedi. Where I felt like Finn, in many ways, was like the heart of that first film. In many like, ways, dude, he, yes. he picked up the lightsaber and he's like, he's not trained. He's not no. a, like, you know, he was working in sanitation. Right. He was, you right. know, and he was hilarious. That's the thing, too. John Boyega was. John Boyega is hilarious, was, man. Yeah. He definitely, he definitely blew everybody away. I felt like he kind of got his character, at least, kind of got shafted in The Last Jedi. In the la- oh, The Last Jedi is its own animal in that yeah. sense. The Force, I mean, but, but The I, Force Awakens, I feel, yeah, Finn was definitely, he appealed to, I, I would like to believe that he appealed to everybody in some way, shape, or form. He was funny. He was an action hero. He was a renegade, you know, much like Han Solo in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, he's obviously developing feelings for Ray. They're not necessarily um, a thing. A thing. It's just, it's all ambiguous. It's up in the air. You wonder, you truly wonder what's going to happen. Will they? Won't they? I mean, yeah. yeah. You wonder, is he going to be tempted to go back to the First Order? Is he going to, is he a mole? I mean, it's pretty good assumption he isn't, but... There was a time where I'm thinking, is is it going to be part of his arc to to switch back something? You because yeah, he's a little lost, right? He's, oh, he's a bit of a lost soul. Yeah, that's he, in the open. That he's in the opening scene where mm-hmm. he's he's the like hesitant stormtrooper. Right. You see, he doesn't necessarily agree with what's going on. Nope. But at the same time, he is he's got to get by. And that's something I got to go off on a little tangent about. Please that do. one aspect that I loved about the Force Awakens and really just the prequels, including the Last Jedi. Something I loved that was so blatantly absent in the prequels and even in the uh, original trilogy from what I could tell, there was a sense of realism. Maybe it could just be because they're using practical effects instead of CGI, but there was just something so homemade about the Star Wars universe. There was, like You can almost relate on a different level. Like This feels like it could happen. It could have happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I feel like you have to suspend a little bit more belief for the prequels and the original trilogy. Hey, fair enough. So let's move on to The Last Jedi. Oh, Obviously bro. a controversial topic. You can tell I was dodging that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. But we got to cover it. If we're going to go fair movie enough. by movie here, yes, let's talk yes. about The Last Jedi. Okay. Um, the floor is yours. Mm. Go ahead. The Last Jedi. Um, from a Star Wars perspective, there were a lot of things I disagreed with. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not here to trash Rian Johnson. He had a vision. It didn't work out. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, I feel like she had a little too much say in how things played out. I feel like certain characters, mostly Finn, were wasted. His arc meant nothing in that story. Mm-hmm, I agree. He went on a bogus mission, and it amounted to absolutely nothing. If anything, it just served to slow them down. To keep and, and just to add on to that, I'm not. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I, I don't think the character Rose Tico was great. I don't think she Ooh, ruined yeah. the film like yeah. some people would like no. to say. She didn't ruin the film. No. But I thought it was wasted that, you know, you had Finn who spent the whole first movie developing friendships with Ray and Poe. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to move on to the next film. And we're right. not going to explore that. Mm-hmm. You know, it would have been cool if Poe and Finn were like the boys, mm-hmm. you know. Right. But I feel like that'll be made up for. In the uh, Rise of Skywalker, at least, and that's not to get into thinking. that yet, but yeah, it might no, just but... be too late. You, it's the it's the finale of the film. Everyone's character is supposed to be relatively built here, right? right. You know, but let's stick to the Last yes, Jedi. Yes, of course, the Last Jedi. Um, look, I think it it was a victim of there was too much going on in too short of a time span. I really think okay. that was the biggest issue with the Last Jedi. There I think that's a, a good point. A it, needed, of, it needed two movies. It really did. It needed I mean, two movies. It felt cramped. I was very let down with the fact that they killed Snoke. I yeah, mean, me too. I was very interested. That said, the throne room scene I thought was awesome. That it was. The, really uh, cool the, choreography <laughs> with the fights. Oh, bless you, my man. Yeah, great, yeah. Um, the back and forth working together with Kylo and Rey. Right. You know? The, um, while trying to hide the internal conflict, you know, yes. they're, they're reluctant partners. And I think that aspect for that movie at that point in time worked perfectly. Yeah, and I think the the it was very. I kind of like that last monologue he has because it builds something where he's like, "Hey, forget the first order, mm-hmm. forget the Jedi. Let's let's join forces, you and me." And, you, and you have to wonder: is he, you know, is he just is he falling for her? Is he trying to turn her to the dark side? Does well, he he's have always kind of been. He's always kind of been trying to draw her over. He was even right. like that in the Force Awakens. You but, know, wasn't he saying something like, "Come with me"? Well, like, yeah. I mean, there was that aspect, but you got to wonder: being their unique dynamic, is it? come to the dark side or is it I'm falling for you so please do me a favor and come to the dark side which which force is more dominant and I think here? that'll be explored in, um, in yeah. the rise of Skywalker absolutely absolutely but keep going uh, I mean, last Jedi last Jedi right um yeah it, it's uh, there were parts of the movie I enjoyed it, it was very me too it was very cool to see Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker again just just to run into Luke now what he's yeah. doing on that island Drinking the titty milk? Yeah, drinking the titty milk. That's right. That looks <laughs> so appetizing. I um, I love that face he makes after that, he drinks. Yeah, like, oh. A bitter milk, baby. A bitter you. Disney milk. Breakfast of champions. Breakfast of champions. But look, look, I, I wanted to say something. A lot please. of people had a problem with his arc. Okay. You know, um, and I actually, even though I would have done things differently, like you said, I'm very good at letting myself take the ride the writers want to take me on. And we talked about this last night, the idea that the galaxy built him up to be this legend, mm-hmm. to be this savior, and that he right. kind of buckled under that. That's great, because failure is the greatest failure teacher. And that was one teacher. of, you know, that's mm-hmm. always been a lesson in Star Wars. Absolutely. That failure is our greatest teacher. And, and, and that even he, someone like Luke, someone who had previously saved the galaxy, that doesn't mean he isn't subject to fail in the future. Right. So that arc in particular, I was a fan of. Mm-hmm. What I had a big motherfucking problem with was the idea that this man who looked at his father, Darth Vader, who had essentially mm-hmm. become Space Hitler, right. and he said, Father, I see the good in you. Mm-hmm. I see the light in you. Sure. That even when he beat him down and, and, and in Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. he still he wouldn't kill him. Right. And he told Palpatine, I'll never turn to the dark side. I will spit my... There's still good in my father. I see the good in him. Right. Um, the idea that this guy would want to kill his nephew, it's absurd, man. Yeah. I feel like what they could have done a better job exploring. And this is just me spitballing, if anything. Yeah, yeah, of course. That encounter on the Death Star the first, in Return of the Jedi obviously scarred him, traumatized him. And I don't think he ever... I don't think all of Luke Skywalker made it off of the Death Star by the time it exploded. Well, it's in a way, he sort of became a gray. 
you know, and I think Jedi. a gray sure. Jedi because mm -hmm. the gray Jedi can move both the light, both the light and the dark. Right. Right. I mean, there's theories and, out there not to cut you off. Go ahead. There's uh, theories that Qui-Gon Jinn was the first gray Jedi to be to appear in any kind of media. That hey, that's very possible. Mm -hmm. We can I'd, I'd like to explore that later. But sure. sticking with Luke, if you noticed Luke. in yeah. uh, in the whole original trilogy, his right. outfits were getting darker and darker yeah. until Return of the Jedi, where he was in all black. That's true. And you know, you, you go back to the scene where he dove into the cavern and had kind of a vision where he fought Vader, chopped his head off, and saw his face behind the mask, which in a sense was Luke is afraid of his own darkness. Right. You know, seeing what's become of his father, he's afraid of the darkness taking him. Sure. But I think. The reason why he was able to defeat Anakin and, in a sense, overcome the obstacles before him mm -hmm. was because he was able to channel that darkness, channel that anger, without letting it possess him. And that's kind of the idea of the gray Jedi, right? right. Well, I don't I, even I want mean, to call it a gray Jedi because it's a gray. Sure. Just the, the idea that the dark side is... Bad. It, it's, it's bad, but it's still inherent. And you're not... You know, when you light a candle, there's always a shadow that casts out the opposite end. Yep. You're never going to get rid of the darkness entirely. I feel like the quote gray embrace that idea whereas the, a jedi abandons it and just you know repress the darkness repress the darkness the jedi is a healthy medium the sith is the overdose of the darkness just only a sith deals in absolutes only a sith deals in absolutes right yep absolutely. um but going back to that i just found yeah. it absurd mm -hmm. that that luke skywalker somebody who would go to extreme lengths to see the good in people right, right. he saw the good in han Mm -hmm. You know, he him seeing the light in Han mm -hmm. made Han care about the conflict. Sure. You know, him seeing the light in his father mm -hmm. eventually allowed Anakin to fulfill his destiny and bring balance to the force well, by, well, by killing Palpatine. Right. I just I just want to finish sure, it off. Sure, sure. So to me, it's like the idea that he saw some darkness in Ben mm -hmm. and would just try to outright kill him in his sleep is is just foolish. And, and I get it. They show that like he goes to kill him, but then stops. Mm -hmm. You know, he comes to his senses. But it, I feel like it was just such a cop-out in some ways. It's like they just they wanted to give Kylo a reason to turn evil, and they right. wanted to give Luke a reason to become a hermit. Mm -hmm. And I don't think him getting caught trying to kill his nephew was necessarily characteristic of no, Luke Skywalker. No, it certainly wasn't. And there are a million problems when you look at, when you look at it from that perspective. Now, that being said, you have to. I feel like, for me, it always helps to dive into the lore a little bit. There was a common theme with all the other characters you mentioned, you know, Vader, Han, mostly Vader and Han, but, yeah, yeah. you know, then you got with ben, Lando. Well, uh, La well Lando. Lando's another one who did necessarily Lando? didn't care about the conflict. But did Lando and Luke really interact enough? No, I'm just saying Lando's a type of character who at, at first didn't care about the conflict, right. oh, yeah, yeah, but then was, got pulled into right, it. Exactly. But see, it's almost like taking the reverse effect when you're dealing with Ben Solo, because here's somebody who is... As far as he can tell, you know, he's pure. He's good. He doesn't need to be turned. Now you have an opposing force. You have Snoke tempting him in his sleep. That's in the EU. That yep. um, <clears throat> you have Snoke literally tempting him every night. And he start, he's, he's young and impressionable. He's fallen for it. This is somebody that Luke has to fight an opposite force for. He never necessarily... I mean, if you consider the dark side an opposing force, that's... You know, that that is a thing. But here is a dark side user that's pulling a student of the light to the darkness. You know, that's something that I feel like Luke just wasn't ready for at that point in time. Yes, you're right. Mm -hmm. And I guess what I'm trying to say is Luke Skywalker, characteristically, mm -hmm. right. would never go to the lengths of murdering his nephew no, no. in his sleep. He absolutely wouldn't. But at the same time, I feel like he panicked. 
Like that, and yet, that are, and I guess all I'm trying to say is there are much better ways to show that panic. Yeah, okay, yeah, there are much right, right, better ways this right. could have progressed. No, from from a story writing perspective, I'm mean, like I can justify it and debate it till the cows come home, but from a story writing perspective, that was a cop out. You know, yeah, I, I have no disagreement with that. It was just you can certainly find reason as to why Luke would have taken that choice, but. It it is you're right. It's holistically uncharacteristic, yep. and it and it's worth noting. And, and while we're on the list, Jedi, sure, what did sure. you think of Poe Dameron's character in that movie? You know, I'm trying to think of scenes he was in. Uh, any mean, scene with General Haldo, where the two of them refuse to oh, talk to geez, each other, yeah, even though we yeah, could solve I mean, all our problems right. if Haldo and Poe just spoke to each other. Right. Well, see, I will say this: um, his exchange in the beginning with General Hux, with the uh, you know, that that banter, it was hilarious. I was laughing myself retarded in the theater but you expected him to be more of a hero more of a war hero you expected to see him blowing things up in an x-wing not arguing with a character that was just brought in to create conflict and <clears throat> i feel like kathleen kennedy goes to great lengths to really i guess emasculate poe anytime he's dealing with holdo well, and I think one of my problems with that is they they introduced Poe as like the greatest pilot in the galaxy. Yeah, you know he was he was introduced yeah. as a relatively cool headed character. Um, re- oh, you want to pull your vape, bro, in the middle of a podcast? Did I say you could vape? I'm just kidding, bro. You could vape all you want. Oh, can I really? Yeah, I'm right, just kidding. Was, you know, I was gonna anyway, but I'm glad that I have your blessing now. Yeah, I just do what it. you did right there, where you moved away from the microphone to pull. That's okay. perfect. But anyway. Vape lessons on the landy lodge. Vape point. lessons on the landy lodge. Now, anyone who's listening, if you're going to be on this podcast, you now know my vape ethics. Moving on. Um, Poe Dameron was introduced as a very right. cool-headed a leader. Yes. You know, and then yes. in the in the Last Jedi, they're characterizing him as like some trigger-happy child who doesn't right. know how to get his finger off the trigger. Right, right. And it again, just like with Finn, it's like, that's not what we were getting at last episode. Well, I feel like a lot of that can be explained away by the two directors. Obviously, J.J. Abrams' vision was for Poe to be this badass, you know, fighter well, pilot. You know what? It, you know what? A big part. I'm sorry to interrupt you, no but I, I think what you're getting at is if you look at the Last Jedi, the lead screenwriter, and I might be butchering the name, but I think it's Lawrence Kassan. Mm, he helped right. write. He helped write um, the Empire Strikes Back. Right. He's one of the original writers, and he was on the Force Awakens when mm-hmm. Rian Johnson took over the series from J.J. Abrams in Episode Eight. Mm-hmm. He was the lead writer. And Lawrence Kassan didn't even have a job. Right. It was just Rian Johnson who wrote the script. Mm-hmm. So he took what J.J. and Lawrence were trying to do from The Force Awakens and did his own fucking thing. And I think that's where he ran into a lot of trouble mm-hmm. because you had the guy, you know, you had the guys who created these characters mm-hmm. not in the writer's room. That's That was a big problem. And that was a big Achilles heel that I feel like cost The Last Jedi a lot of notoriety, I guess. Yeah, a, I, a, lot of consistency, a lot of consistency, characteristic yeah, consistency. I mean, so to see that we're on the same page, I see like mm-hmm. I feel like we agree. Mm-hmm. The Force Awakens built a great foundation. It was a good, fun movie. Yes. Yes. The Last Jedi dropped the ball, but it doesn't make Rise of Skywalker irredeemable. You know, it could go both ways, and I know that's a, as generic as an answer could be. It could go both ways. Well, I'm asking you, and, how do you feel? I know you're a yeah. huge Star Wars fan. Yeah. You've even admitted, no matter what, you're going to love everything Star Wars. Pretty much. But... What is your last word on the Last Jedi? Is what My I'm last saying. word your on the Last word. Jedi. I refuse to make any kind of predictions or to get my hopes up or to walk in there thinking it's going to bomb. I'm going to watch it for what it is. Oh, I'm talking about the last. You're talking about the Rise of Skywalker. I'm asking for your oh, last geez, word on God. the Last Jedi. It's okay. <laughs> Two hours of sleep, people. It happens. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> yeah, the Last Jedi. It wasn't. It was not the train wreck 
that people claim it to be. It had moments you just got to look for them a little too hard. People don't want to look hard when they're watching a movie. I feel like that's where it fell short. Gotcha. See, now I think it was a train wreck, but with a lot of survivors. Um, Fair enough. So Rise of Skywalker. Mm. I know you don't want to pass any judgments. I know you're, I you're, reser- you're reserving as much as you can until, we, until you see the movie. I'll have you back on after the movie. Okay. We'll talk about it. Cool, cool. Um, but give me something. Rise of Skywalker. What are you hoping for? What are you afraid of? We're reserving judgments. We're not going to call it a good movie. We're not going to call it a bad movie. Just what are you hoping for and what are you afraid of? What I'm afraid of is that they continue in Rian Johnson's kind of scattered direction and just not do the lore any good. Just let's quickly tie up the loose ends so we can get the hell out of the series. Uh, you know, let's finish this up. Let's wrap it up, folks. I don't want that mentality going into the making of the movie. I, I want, personally, as a huge fan, I want answers to be answered. I want to know where the hell Ray came from. I want to know what's going to... I want to see Poe Dameron as a badass. I want to see Finn as a badass. I don't want to see useless storylines. Uh, I want Kylo Ren to have come to terms with whatever side he's going to choose. You want my prediction? I don't see him dying as a student of the dark side. Uh, I want him to finally make up his mind because I like the Jekyll and Hyde that he goes through, but I feel like for the third movie, it's time for him to make up his mind. Well, and I agree, mm-hmm. but they have to do something with Kylo. Well, like they, they, they real this movie really needs to put a lot of focus on him mm-hmm. because we have done everything but establish him as a threat. That's the problem. You know, Ray bodied him in the force awakens. Mm-hmm. He was essentially ineffective in The Last Jedi, with yeah. the exception of his throne room scene where he was great, but he mm-hmm. was still ineffective against Rey when they were wrestling for the lightsaber. Right, right. Um, he is not an established threat, again, no. especially well, against Rey. To even, to even go, to build on that theory, you've got other people around. You've got, I mean, at least in The Force Awakens, you had Snoke. You knew that Kylo was not running the things. He wasn't running the show, no. but now he is, right? Now, well, now he is, but but is he, though, with all with Palpatine coming back? I mean, Now, that's let's talk about what we're afraid of. Mm-hmm. I have to be <clears> honest <throat> with you, dude. I'm going to that movie. I'm, pre- I'm praying for the best. I actually hope they do the JJ thing and just play it safe. Right. I'll take a mediocre... Oh, bless you. I'll take a mediocre Star Wars film at this point. Um, I fucking hate that Palpatine's back. Do you really? I actually really, really, really really fucking hate it now look i could i actually could get past it if he's a force ghost okay if we got force ghost palpatine i feel better about it i don't like that he's here to begin with but if we mm. got force ghost palpatine I feel better about it but if palpatine himself is physically alive it makes the entire original trilogy pointless anakin sacrifice pointless luke's adventure pointless it, it will have essentially have meant nothing mm-hmm. a- a- the, the story of anakin skywalker is iconic, right. not not just in cinema, but but in Western civilization. I mean, Joseph Campbell, who wrote the book "The Hero with a Thousand Faces," right? You know, fucking Luke Skywalker's on the front cover. Of you know that story between Luke and Anakin is iconic. It's a pop to, culture legend to the way we tell stories, mm-hmm. right? You know, the idea that Anakin's great sacrifice at the end, mm-hmm. where he finally stopped being a slave. He was born a slave. Uh, it was just a slave his whole life. He was a slave to the Jedi Order. He was a slave to Palpatine. He could never think for himself, could never take action for himself. It was only when Palpatine was killing his son that he came back to the light. Right. That he ceased to be Vader and became Anakin again. The whole story is iconic, as you said. Bringing Palpatine back, what are we doing? Why couldn't, why couldn't, they, there's so many villains in the expanded universe, including Snoke, 
you know, including Darth Plagueis. Mm. You know, we could have gone many directions with this. Right. Hell, fuck it. Why couldn't we just let Kylo level up after he killed Snoke and make Kylo mm-hmm. the big bad? Well, I feel like but it's it, like we if, have to draw from the past. Right. If you're first of all, if you're going to kill Snoke off, you are doing Kylo Ren a disservice to bring in an additional villain. That's what I'm saying. But I see my my answer to that is I feel like it's a nostalgia pop. And it said nostalgia pop has the potential to ruin the movie. Well, I think what happened is the so the fact that they lost fifty million dollars on Solo. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. scared Disney to death, mm-hmm. and they're like, "How do we get the original trilogy fans back in the theater?" And I guess their uh, their move was to bring back Palpatine, but it was like the real answer was make Luke Skywalker significant. Right. That's really what we wanted to see. I think that's the thing I came out of the Force Awakens the most with because the last scene was Luke on that island is like. Oh my God, I can't wait for Luke's return. Right. And going back to The Last Jedi for a second, mm-hmm. the best scene was him and Kylo's standoff. Oh, the, yeah. yeah. I yeah. failed you, Ben. Um, that was the best scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. We wanted more of that. Right. You know, I think if you really wanted to sell tickets to episode nine, episode nine would have been like Ray and Luke both making a comeback. Sure. I think both Ray and Luke should have fallen in episode eight, kind of the way Luke fell in episode five. So that episode nine slash six tells the story of the the redemption. The redemption. But like who's being redeemed here in episode nine? That's kind of what I'm afraid of here. It's like no one's really being redeemed. You know, my, we didn't see, go ahead. see, yeah, my biggest fear in that same line is there's going to be a redemption. There's going to be a failure and redemption in the same movie. And that's just going to compress everything and give us the same problem we had in with the, the last Jedi. Jedi. Yeah. It's just going to be too much going on. You can't absorb everything that's happening so stuff's gonna fall to the wayside i could see that happening i mean look i'm a huge fan of palpatine always was me too I, you know love to hate him as a little kid watching star wars Dude, he was I mean, great in the prequels and i'll tell you if anybody wants a, a compelling interviewer listen to anything ian mcdermott has to say what a great speaker what just what a great person and you you can tell that he's a great actor because i mean palpatine Go back to when you're eight or nine years, you know, even younger than that, when you're five or six years old watching Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi for the first time. You saw Emperor Palpatine on the screen, and your gut reaction is, ooh, I don't like him. Terrified of him. Yeah, I'm terrified of him, and I hope he gets a lightsaber. Big yellow eyes, the wrinkly, distorted face, the robe, the voice. Use your anger. That's just, I mean, that's how it is. And that's, 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 (laughs) That's the Emperor, and you hate the Emperor. You cannot root... I mean, maybe some people can. I mean, Darth Vader was I'm sure my... sure there'll be people in Look, episode nine rooting for him. Darth Vader was my childhood hero, so I can't even talk on that. See, and that's I my mean, thing. Isn't that amazing that Darth is. Vader can spend two and, like, not... Like, literally the entire trilogy being the villain, but in his last moments, he became the hero? And that's, again, going back to it, hate to harp on it, that's my problem with bringing Palpatine back is you're ruining, like, one of the greatest cinematic story arcs of all time. Right, right. And I'll go there. I don't give a fuck. No, no, no. I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I understand, you know, I'm not saying I'm particularly happy it's coming back, but I'm looking at it as pure nostalgia pop. But, like I said, said nostalgia could ruin the movie. Now, let's and talk about, okay, we, we've been rather negative yes, on Rise of Skywalker. Yes, I, want, I want to turn this, I want to oh. turn the positive leaf sure, over for a second. why not? What do you think are some of the great things we're going to see in this film? What are you hoping for? We kind of we kind of sunk into well, what we're afraid of. Let's let's talk about what we're hoping to see. If we're going by the trailers, um, I, I want to see Lando back. I want to, you know, I definitely want to see more action. 
I, I don't want to see a cat and mouse between two spaceships. Uh, I want to see. I want to see lightsabers, and I bet uh, you know <laughs> you'll get lightsabers. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure I will. Yeah, but uh, oh, of course. Yeah, so we're gonna start doing. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, I'm, see, I'm getting excited right now just hearing that. Noise. Does that pop it's, your I'm boner? You, oh, Does that get you hard, baby? So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fully torqued. Right you hear now. that, ladies? Oh, totally, absolutely. You want you want to get Josh in the sack? All you got to do is just you know just make that sexy <laughs> lightsaber. Yep. Yeah, yeah. See, that doesn't help, but the lightsaber noise. You know how it is, man. <laughs> anyway, uh, what was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're talking about what we're hoping to see right, right, the, right hopes yeah, yeah, okay yeah. um hope oh yeah right just like a new one mm-hmm. but no i i really i want to see the layout of the planets they all look really interesting the uh that lightsaber fight with ray and kylo on the ocean planet you know the star the star destroyer the raging waters oh yeah, yeah. That, i mean that's that's almost you could say that's an aspect that hasn't really been explored you've seen them fight in snow you've seen obi-wan and anakin melt each other in an acid pit in a volcano planet, you know. I mean, you've seen that, you know. Maybe I guess water was kind of a neglected element in lightsaber fights. I'm trying to think, and I think you're right. I can't really recall any sort of like water setting mm-hmm. for uh, for a lightsaber duel. So I, I just think that I mean, it's it's a new element that hasn't been explored yet. I'd be interested in seeing that. I know there's one scene in particular where they're raising a star destroyer out of the ocean or the body of water. That looks cool. I don't know where that's going. See, I, 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 know. I, I hate to interrupt. I know we're talking about the things we hope, but I think that's so dumb. Especially because J.J. Abrams did the same thing in the Star Trek movies. He's literally ripping himself off. But go on. Well, there's that paradox. You know, I mean. <laughs> I'm being an asshole. Go no, on. No, no, no. But, yeah, I mean, not every idea can be brand new. But I feel like it's how you present the idea. I mean, look, I'm writing a Star Wars fan fiction. And I'm re- almost relying on these movies to give me inspiration. So, I mean, yeah, it's not. You can't. I feel like Star Wars falls into a hole where you can't, if you're making a movie, you can't be 100% original. There's going to be elements that are going to feel borrowed, but it's how you borrow the the um, elements. That's fair enough. Without ripping I yourself like that. off, you know? I like that. Um, here's what I want to see. Sure. I want to see some fucking Force Ghosts. Oh, you will. And that's me just being selfish, because I want to see the Luke Force Ghost. Mm-hmm. I want to see the Han Force Ghost. <coughs> Inevitably, I want to see the Leia Force Ghost. I'm sure they have some archive footage where they could work that in. I well, want, I mean, do you really expect to see a Han Solo Force ghost? He wasn't Force-sensitive. You're right. You're right. But then again, you know, Disney could bend the rules a little bit. Oh, they already have. Um, yeah. Le- Leia flew through space. Uh, well, yeah, we Palpatine's f- alive. We don't talk about Leia flying through space. I know we don't. It was retarded. Excuse me. I know uh, that's not an appropriate no, term. But, uh, a- dude, just to go back to the last Jedi, but we can talk about Star Wars all day. I think it would have been great if Kylo killed Leia. Because then, yeah. then he will have killed both his parents. Well, well, again, and that's how you build a character, that, baby. That's how you build a character. Who's to say he won't? Now we're talking. Who's that's what I'm hoping won't. for, I guess. Okay. I hope I get to see Kylo kill Leia. Sure. I mean, That's what I'm hoping for. I mean, we know that they're using archive footage from The Last Jedi to portray Leia in yeah. The Rise of Skywalker. So one can assume... I mean, she's going to die. We, we know she's going to die. That That's kind of a given. But for Kylo to have killed his mother would one would assume he'd be fully immersed in the dark side. Maybe they don't go that route. Maybe Ray saves him. That's not what I want to see personally. Um, but I almost want to see Kylo save Ray. I want them to pull something like that out of a hat. I mean, they have teased dark Ray, right? That's been yes. teased. You know, I think yeah. she's a clone. I think that's the answer. You think she's a clone? I think she's an Anakin clone. An Anakin clone. Oh, I, I, think I, thought, I was going to say, I was going to say, how are you going to justify? It? I thought you were going to talk like uh, the clone wars clone. I'm like, I don't think that's how it works. No, but, uh, I think, I actually think where they might go with this is I think mm-hmm. Palpatine is looking for a new vessel because okay. he's old and ratchety and 
if he survived the Anakin attack, mm. he's obviously put together by a machine. Right. I think what he's trying to do in some way is groom a new vessel. And I think both Kylo and Rey are kind of like two, con- two irons on the fire. Like contenders. Yeah. Okay. And okay. I think he's kind of, the more they, they clash, uh, that's, that's, that's just a guess. That's just a theory. But I feel like that's where they're going to go with this is they're breeding a new vessel. And then when Kylo and Rey realize that's what's been going on is Palpatine's been manipulating them to mm-hmm. build his new vessel, that's when they kind of both un- can unite under one thing. It's like, hey, neither one of us want to be an empty husk for this old fuck. Mm-hmm. Let's kill him. Well, I mean, yeah, that's certainly a direction they could go. <laughs> that's absolutely a direction they could go in. And who's to say they won't? Who's to say they will? And that's why... Well, you got to tie this shit together somehow. Well, I mean, yeah, you got to tie it in, but how are you going to tie it in? That That's what's going to make or break this movie, how they go about tying well, the Well, maybe together. it's something like where, you know, when Palpatine was... Maybe Palpatine was breeding Anakin the whole time, right? He may But have been. then Obi-Wan fucked his day up and, you know, made him half machine. And it's like, well, that's no longer a vessel. That no longer qualifies. Because if you look at the original trilogy, he was sort of doing that with Luke. Mm-hmm. Like in Return of the Jedi, when he had beat Vader onto the ground, oh, he, yeah. he was saying, do it, finish him kill him, turn to the dark side. He was grooming him for something, you know? Maybe not just to be his underling the way right. Anakin was, but maybe that old fuck is looking for a new vessel, dude. He could very well be. But, I mean, that's also the traditional Sith canon, you know? The the uh, Pal- the Padawan kills the Master and becomes a Sith. Mm-hmm. You know, you got your rule of three, which becomes your rule of two. It's very convoluted. Um, It could be that, and that would certainly make a lot of sense. I cannot say that that's... I just want to plead the uh, I want to plead ignorance. I want ignorance is bliss until I'm walking out of the movie theater because you can bog yourself down with theories. It's going to prevent you from enjoying what you're seeing. At least me. Anyway. See, uh, excuse me. Hmm. I guess I'm not of that school because okay. I understand where you're coming from, where it's like if you sit on theories then you're going to create expectations. And when your expectations aren't met, you're going to get upset. That's at the end of the day. I get it because I've seen people do that. Believe right. me. I mean, we've all been guilty of it, I think. And we've all been guilty of it. Sure. But what you learn eventually is that when you go to the theater, respect the people who wrote and produced that film. Take the ride. Mm-hmm. Leave your expectations at the door. Mm-hmm. Leave your wants and desires for where the plot's going to go at right. the door. Take the ride. And when you get out, take it for what it was. Right. Don't be upset that they didn't do with Palpatine what you wanted. Don't right. be upset right. that Ray's arc didn't finish the way you wanted. Don't be upset that her parents aren't who you wanted them to be. And, you know, you got to kind of ask yourself, well, what's the writer trying to tell me through all That's, this? And there's there's always a message. And, if, if, con- you know, constantly bogging yourself down with, well, why did they do that? Why the fuck didn't they do this? You're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. Just let it go. At the at the end of the day, that's what's the only the whole reason we tell stories is to mm-hmm. teach each other things. Right. To teach each other lessons. That's kind of the root of storytelling, at least in humanity. Sure. Um. So, I always do my best when I go to see movies, or I play mm-hmm. a video game, or I read a book. You know, whether I like the way things ended up or not, I do ask myself, well, what's the writer trying to tell me here? Mm-hmm. Like, what what's the truth the writer discovered that they're trying to convey onto me? Sure. You know, um, so when it comes to the rise of Skywalker, I don't care what they do, mm-hmm. but I do like theorizing about it. Sure, I'm one yeah, of those people yeah, yeah. I could sit here and theorize about it, but I know at the end of the day, I'm not going there to confirm my suspicions. Right, right. And and I feel like that's, a, I mean, I've beaten this point to death, but that's, a, mm-hmm. that's just a great way to set yourself up for disappointment because they're, you know, people I, do it all the time. They, they do. And, and, you know, the closest I ever came was with, um, the uh the rise or no I'm sorry the uh, last Jedi I I was expecting this that and the other thing I did not like the fact that Snoke died I wanted to know what this guy was all about 
We all did, man. And I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure, and a lot of people, oh, this is bullshit. I mean, there was literally a boo and a fuck this movie chant going on. It was it was an experience. And, <laughs> I mean, which, remind me, we have to, seeing that movie was hilarious. For so, other, so, all right, so you reasons. have a story. Yeah, you have I, a story. I, I said I wanted to save yeah, stuff like this yeah. for the later end. Mm-hmm. We're actually over 45 minutes in. Jeez, these things flies. fly, dude, yeah, these things do. fly by, absolutely man. absolutely do. Um, wow. Let's, uh, you went to see the movie with a, well, actually let's do a shout, let's do a couple shout outs. First, let's do a shout out to our boy, Steve. So Steve is the guitarist in our band, Termina. Steve, if you're listening, bro, we love you. Happy belated birthday. You're the fucking heart and soul of the band. Um, Mm -hmm. we love you, dog. Uh, now the next shout out I want to give is, uh, I think who you're about to get into telling a story about. Mm Uh, Brian Laurentiev, Brian Laurentiev, the fucker who left us for Boston. Hi, Nicolette. But the fucker who left us for Boston. You saw The Last Jedi with him. I did. And it sounds like an experience. It was an experience and a half. I was, nobody can prepare. Okay, the thing about Brian, you got to understand, he is the big, he's the textbook definition of a critic. And he doesn't even try to be. It, it's natural. It's in his soul. It's in his soul. And <clears throat> Brian, I know you're listening, and I'm going to say I love you, dude, but fuck you for ruining that experience for not not for me <laughs> for everybody around you that didn't know you that was the thing and what the fuck did he do oh jeez well first of all he was cranky all right we we, we <laughs> he Brian he gets cranky sometimes and you know we're waiting you know we're getting popcorn or whatever you know I get my cookie dough bites and, it, and he wanted a hot pretzel okay that's cool i mean you can't just get popcorn and we'd be in seats now no you got to wait they had to make him a fresh hot pretzel and he was cranky that he had to wait, which I get it, but why'd you order a pretzel? But even (laughs) still, they finally give it to him. It's not even thought it's frozen in the middle. So he takes two bites of it, chucks it in the garbage. (laughs) I'm just going to freaking see the movie. (laughs) Oh boy, this, this is not going to be good. It's going to be hilarious, but there are going to be people around us that are going to be very, very pissed and I'm going to love every second of it. And, Okay, so we're going to fast forward. I mean, I don't think we made it as far as the end of the dog fight when uh, Rose's sister sacrifices herself and with, you know, to, oh, we took out the dreadnought and, you know, I don't think we were that far. Brian's already, what? I don't know. What the hell are they doing? That didn't make it. He's just constant. Everything that they do, he's criticizing. And <laughs> it was just, a lot of this is you had to have been there, but. When Snoke died, for example, I was upset. All right, you know, everyone, you know, like I said, everyone's boo. As soon as the boos died down, the only thing you hear, the only thing you hear in the in the entire theater, you can hear a pin drop. Run. Well, that was fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree with him. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, he's not That's lying. The thing. I wish I was there. I agree not lying. with him. He's well, his... that was fucking bullshit. <laughs> And, yeah, I, mean, I know what you mean. When uh, Snoke died, uh, the theater did get quiet. Oh, yeah. Because everyone was like, what the fuck did I just see? Why did this happen? I wish there was a Brian there to be like, uh, well, that was fucking bullshit. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was so stereotypical. And I could not have had a better time at that movie theater, at that particular screening of that show. But everybody around us was given a dirty looks and what the, you know, what, what's with this asshole? It was just, it was so beautifully chaotic. And <laughs> Brian, I love you so much. And we need to do that again. We love you, Brian. We come really come see do. Star Wars with me, Brian. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll enjoy your criticisms. Oh man! <laughs> Another example. Um, there was a scene. There was a portion of a scene where, just for dramatic effect, everything got quiet. Sure enough, well, I'm fucking done with Star Wars. This is bullshit. 
I mean, it was ridiculous. And like, well, I mean, seriously, Snoke was awesome. Why'd they kill him? That was fucking stupid. Like, Brian, shut up. No, that was fucking stupid. It was just, <laughs> like, you're going to get us kicked out of here and I'm never going to forgive you because I need to see this movie to its conclusion. I want to believe, though, that while there might have been people around who were looking at him like, this motherfucker. I want to believe there were a few guys, like a row or oh, two yeah, back, who yeah. were like arms crossed, kind of nodding their heads like, yeah, I know what that guy's Oh, there, there were other people laughing. There were people laughing. Like, good, he wasn't good. ruining it for everybody. It was just, there happened to be a bubble of people around us that were very annoyed. And that's what made it funny to me. That's that's eighty percent of why that was hilarious. You just you're you're ruining this family of five who's out to see Star Wars. You got this. <laughs> oh, that was fucking stupid. No, that was fucking stupid. That's bullshit. You know, don't stay in school. Yeah, but we love, but we love. But Brian, Brian yeah, I mean, that's just that's part of your charm, man. That's why we love you. Nothing but love for Brian. And Brian's one of the uh, the old housemates. Oh God, yeah. we all used to live in a house together in college. That's that's where this all dates Ooh. back to. We're all college goons. Indeed we all we shared are. a roof. Indeed let's see, let's see. Are. Can we round them off our senior year? Who was it? it was Jeez. me, you, yep, yep. Brian. Dan Ambroso, formerly on the yep. podcast. Dirty Dan. Dirty Dan. Shout out to Dirty Dan. Um, shout out to Howie. Yep. Um, shout out to. Janowski, J-Wop. Yep. Shout out J-Wop. to Brian Laurenti. We already shouted Bless out to Mr. him. Brian. Motherfucking Brian. Shout out to Steve, who was living with us. Shout out to Colin. Mm. Shout out to Chris Reyes. Shout out to... Who else lived with us? Am I missing somebody? I mean, are we going to count Glenn Russo? Fuck it. We love Glenn. Yeah, we love Glenn. Love you, Glenn. Glenn Thanks for hooking us up. You were the man. You know what we mean. If I had never agreed to hang out with you that one night after class... We would not have been part of the experience that was ninety broad. You know, you say that all the time. You credit you credit Glenn a I lot do. for I your college do. experience. I absolutely do. I mean, not to <clears throat> not to darken the tone any, but Mount Saint Mary College was not for Josh Mayer, and that it just came down to some you, you can't mix oil with water. I met this crazy, goofy, awesome dude in. The resident hall, I believe it was, my sophomore year, my first year there, because I was a transfer student. Um, and, I, you know, up until that point, I'm thinking, this is not a place for me. Like, I'm not gelling with these people. Granted, it had only been three days, but I don't belong here. I meet Glenn, and then from Glenn comes, Mr. Joshua, can my friend Nicolani accompany us? Yeah, sure, absolutely. And from there, and that's becomes, when we met. Yeah, that that was that fateful night. Um, anybody who doesn't know, because I'm sure that you've avoided this topic. Yeah. Um, I have. I I do have reason to believe that uh, Mr. Landy has a phobia of being locked in a vehicle. At least that's what I was led to believe. Well, yeah. I mean, look. Okay, just to give this story, the first time I hang out with this guy, and it was with Glenn. Shout out to Glenn. Mm. You know, we're hanging out. It's late at night. It's college. Nobody sleeps. It's got to be what two two thirty in the morning. I'd say it may have even been as late as four or early yeah. as four. I mean, sure, at least yeah. when this adventure started, right, and right. Glenn goes, "Oh man, we got to go to Walmart," and we're just like, "Glenn, why do we got to wa- go to Walmart?" And he's like, "I got all these hickeys on my neck. I need a turtleneck." He pulls <laughs> he pulls his shirt down. It looks like somebody was very. Oh, it looked like he had a disease. I mean, yeah, it looked somebody like somebody attacked him. That man. was the thing. Some some killer attacked him. Was terrible <laughs> at their job. And, oh my uh, God! So so we fucking we were driving in Newburgh, which mm-hmm. if you didn't know is the murder capital of New York. You yes. wouldn't know that being on the Mount St. Mary campus. Mount St. Mary College campus is absolutely gorgeous. Yes. Um, but outside of that campus, it is the murder capital of New York. So we drive to this Newburgh Walmart, and it's like three and three four o'clock in the morning. At least I'm half asleep. Like I mm-hmm. I'm literally falling asleep hanging out with these guys. They want to go in the Walmart, and I'm like, Yo, man. 
can you just leave the car on? I just want to chill in the car. And you and Glenn were just like, no, nah, we, we got to we no, come with us. Come with yeah, us. Yeah, come we'll... with us. I'm like, no, nah, just leave me in the car. And you were like, well, if we leave you in this car, we're going to keep the car. We have to start. I'm taking the keys is basically what Glenn said. Right, right. And we're going to leave you locked in the car. And I was like, well, can I just get out and leave if I'm feeling claustrophobic? And Glenn was like, no, the alarm's going to go off. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, I'm sitting there like, well, Josh, can you stay? I just didn't want to go in the Walmart right. of Newburgh at three o'clock in the fucking morning. And, and for, <laughs> for whatever reason, for whatever reason, I was having trouble comprehending that you just didn't want to go to Walmart. I just didn't want to go. And I wanted like, a class at 9 a.m. Yeah, well, I, just, I mean, <laughs> as did I. I didn't necessarily mean I was going, though. Me neither. But um, at the same time, I mean, look, man, I don't know you. I don't want to hang and out. It was the first night you and I yeah, met, too. I don't want to hang out in a freaking locked car in a Walmart parking lot with someone I don't really know. And I also don't want to be left alone in yeah, a Walmart so parking lot have, in middle of Newburgh. We have a bit of an impasse here. How are we going to get over this? That was the burning question, and it took a very long time to answer. Eventually, I just went into the fucking Walmart. Yeah. We got Glenn his fucking turtleneck, oh, and he covered up his hickeys for an entire weekend. That he did. Congratulations, Glenn. Yeah. But you know what? Lots of love for Glenn, because you're oh, right. He's, he's, Glenn, yeah. Glenn brought you brought you around, and we all became friends with you. And I was like, Termina, Termina wouldn't be what it was if it wasn't for Glenn. No, and, and I'll, actually, I don't think I've ever even told you this. You know, I was kind of just pissing and moaning to Glenn about dude I, I I don't fucking like it here this this place sucks like I'm not rich enough to be here I'm not you know I have a beard I, I have long hair I don't I should I'm gonna try and transfer I had a to, beard asshole well no Go you on. know what I mean you know what I mean <laughs> I mean it's just I, I basically I made the mistake of assuming that everybody at Mount St. Mary's was like my particular roommate again nothing against the guy oil and water we were gonna butt heads it was gonna happen and I just got the assumption that everybody at the Mount was like that and to be fair there were a lot of very close-minded people that I crossed paths with. A little bit of a pet peeve of mine. But anyway, I, I was just kind of complaining to Glenn about, dude, like, nobody even plays guitar here. Like, I mean, I, you know, my band is no more. I was kind of hoping to meet some musicians. You know, this is really what I want to do. Well, you know Nick plays, right? No, he doesn't. Really? And it just kind of it spiraled into that. And I remember approaching you, hey man, you play guitar, like yeah. And then we started talking, talking music and shit. Yeah. yeah, and it was just it was that's that's really that was so. Glenn, in a lot of ways, is responsible for Termina, in a sense. But yeah, so I'm just, Glenn bringing worlds together. Mm-hmm. We love you, dude. Yeah, man. I'll give you a shout out. I'll never forget. Um, You're the engine to this vehicle. But no, we can't just love on Glenn. I got to tell a story about Glenn oh, now. Boy, when uh, I went bowling with Glenn, oh boy, where it was uh, it was me, Glenn, Colin. Brian Nicolette. Okay. And we go bowling and we're having a great time and we're drinking and, you know, Brian's our designated driver and most of us are all just like drunk beyond belief. We're going bowling mm-hmm. and there's this, there's this, <laughs> there's this, there's this uh, group bowling next to us and there's this girl and Glenn, Glenn's really liking on the girl and Glenn wants to, wants to hit on her. And to Glenn's credit, he was a pretty, <laughs> bless you. Sorry. Glenn, your set. Oh, good. But to Glenn's credit, he was a very smooth talker. Yeah, yeah. Glenn was actually very good with the ladies. Glenn in had game. Glenn had game. Glenn had game. But Glenn is fucked up beyond belief. Mm. And he's trying to teach this girl how to bowl. <laughs> he's like, I just, I remember the people there with are just looking like, who's this guy? Where the hell did he come from? And he's, anyway, we get back to the car and we're driving home. And Glenn's like, yo, man, did anyone get that girl's number? <laughs> and we we're like, no, Glenn. He's like, so I didn't get her number? I'm like, no, Glenn. He's like, I could have sworn I asked. It's like, well, maybe she said no. It's like, maybe. But man, come on. And we're like, what? He's like, well, somebody's got to fuck her, man. 
That's yep. I was like, wait, what? And he's like, listen, I don't have to have sex with her. But somebody's got to have sex with her. She's beautiful. She deserves it. And he's going on this rant. I'm like, Glenn, Glenn. I'm like, and he's like yelling. I'm like, sure you know when is. people get so drunk, they don't realize how loud they're yelling? Of course. And we got to clarify that for Glenn. Glenn has two, he has two volumes to his voice. Loud and blow your eardrums out just for the sake of doing it. So <laughs> he can only be loud. And when he's when he's trying, it's funny. To he's point. either loud or he's very like cool and calm, collected. Hello, Josh. Well, How's I mean, it going. Yeah, I guess there is. How that is it aspect. going? He does do that. Yeah, no, he's very usually he's very. But when he drinks, baby, he goes. He, yeah, That's he, why we love Glenn. He's a good time. But I remember him just screaming in the heavens. Oh I was God. like, Glenn, relax. I was like, it was the first night he had met Colin. I'm like, this is, and he's so fucked up. I'm like, Glenn, this is Colin's first impression of you. Mm-hmm. What do you want him to think of you? And he goes, I want Colin to fuck that girl, man. <laughs> Of course. Oh, it was oh, such man. a good time. I'll oh. tell you, I mean, Glenn, certainly the textbook definition of an enigma. I mean, he there there will never Glen-ib- be... Glenigma. <laughs> there you go. You heard it here first, folks. Heard it first, Glenigma Russo. Glenigma Russo. And um, he was just... The, he really added an element of unpredictability, of fun. To what we did because you were having a good time if Glenn was there. Yeah. And even if you don't want to have a good time, he's literally going to force you to have a good time. He, I mean, you know, I mean, we all know Glenn has a uh, certain love for a uh, certain herb. And he, uh, I just remember him chasing people around. Yo, hit this, hit this, man, hit this. Yeah, it's so funny because people, just... people at parties mm-hmm. who didn't know him when he right. was saying that would look right. at him like, nah, man, like you're the guy they warned me about. Right. You're the guy who wants it's, to spike exactly, me with something. Exactly. <laughs> And I, I remember pulling him and said, Glenn, you do realize you're kind of coming off as a bit of a predator, right? Yeah, exactly. I'll give a fuck. I'll give <laughs> All right, okay. Well, that was Glenn, man. That was You do Glenn, you, man. No, nah, nah. That, was, that was good times, though. He, uh, he was he loved just... his cigars, man. Oh, God, yeah. Yes, Glenn really loved his cigars. Loved those cigars, man. He, um, <clears throat> he also, you know, I mean, you have to realize he has a very Tommy Chong vibe when he's not screaming his head off about absolutely nothing. Yeah, that's what I say. He's very calm. Yeah, so I guess I do have relaxed. to redact. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Glenn I'll redact a, the volume. Glenn is very steady he, at the end of the day. But that's why we love him. Yeah, he just, oh man. Mo fucking Glenn. I miss Glenn. All right, Josh. Anyway, yeah, we, 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 uh, we're just over an hour here. Kidding, um, before we wrap it up, I have to ask you a, uh, a notorious question oh, on this geez. podcast. Oh, so All right. This is the one question I ask Get every guest. At least I try to remember to ask every guest. Let's do it. Are you familiar with the um the whole a artificial intelligence integration with the human mind? The idea of putting the chip in your brain, which turns your thoughts into Google searches. Uh, it'll alert you when you have like a tumor in your brain or anything like that. Basically, ha- like wiring your brain to be hooked up to the to the cloud. Right. Let me ask you something, Josh. Sure. Are you going to do it? No. You're not going to do it at all. Man, I don't even use Facebook. I, I don't like technology. I don't like, I want my mind to be my own. I don't want my mind to be altered by a computer. I don't want it to be controlled by a computer. My mind is my own. And until I do more research and see what it's really about, that's a hard no. Well, Glenn, let me tell you something. I mean, you not just, Glenn. You just called me I Glenn. I just called you Glenn. Yeah, that's okay. how much I love you, Glenn. But I wish you were here. Um, let, me, let me ask you something, Josh. If you had a, a bracelet on or mm. like a, a wristband. A wristband. And let's say the, the chip was something you could plug into the wristband. And if you put it in the wristband, it activated the effects. Okay. And you could remove it at your own discretion. Would you then do it? 
you know, uh, that that sort of adds a whole new realm of possibility. I thought we we're talking about like getting something surgically implanted and that's usually which, how I start the yeah, conversation right. and most people reject that right. but then I bring up the idea of being able to remove it and that makes it it's funny people like you who are so hardwired to say no and I'm on your side I'm a hardwire no on putting a chip literally in my right. brain right. but well, I mean, the idea of it being removable is rather appealing I kind I feel like whether it's removable or not there's just that screams bad idea to me I don't like the fact that our society is so overly dependent on our phones that we can't live without updates. And, and I'm, I'm generalizing to hell, of course. But yeah, yeah, yeah. at the same time, I I just it, it's something about that. There's a huge red flag waving in my face when you're talking about chipping people. I feel like you got to be your own. And that includes your mind. I don't like I mean, what happens when. Let's just, you know, I'm going to, you know, worst case scenario. It was hypothetical. Yeah, it's Let's play. say, you know, we lose internet permanently or the electric grid shuts off. Highly unlikely, but not out of the realm of possibility. What happens when we who have become utterly dependent on a little brain status update, whatever that chip is supposed to do, you know, okay, let's say you got a hypochondriac. They wear that because they want to know that they're not developing something horrible. And the fact that the chip can confirm that on a daily basis, maybe an hourly basis, let's say that keeps their head on their shoulders. Oh, Josh, you're so right. What happens when that goes away? People lose their mind. So people lose their mind when they when their phone dies. I mean, you should see. You know, my, my mother is a um, <clears throat> she's a high school teacher, and shout out to Mama Mayor. Yeah, but yeah, shout out. How you doing, Mom? <laughs> but uh, anyway, the um. You should see the tantrum. I don't even need to see it just to hear about some of these psychotic tantrums that these high school students are throwing because you take their phone away. Creepy, dude. And I mean, it even it changes the game. I mean, look, I'm not going to say I was not above, you know, hiding my phone under my leg and looking up answers during tests in college. I'm not going to for one second say I was above that. But why bother studying at all? You can just hide your phone up your sleeve and look up the answers on tests. It's. It's changing the world, and I understand you can't you can't fear change, but you don't want to embrace it with the open arms that we've been doing, I don't think, in terms of technology. Well, you know what I'm afraid of, dude? I'm afraid that people are, how do I put it? It's like they don't, I don't want to say they don't want to be human, but I feel like we're losing some humanity in all of this. It's like, let's be honest, we're quasi-cyborgs right now. Sure. Okay, what we are right now never used to exist. The idea that you and I have these devices that are literally in our pocket, mm-hmm. like there's an invisible chain tying these two. Oh, us. absolutely. Let, let's not let's absolutely. not let's not kid ourselves. We're tethered to our phones. If you're listening to this and you're not tethered to your phone, I'm not sure I believe you. But mm-hmm. almost all of us are tethered to this thing now. Well, I mean, just We're, just to just ahead, to further illustrate that, that just reminded me of um, you know, I work uh, overnights and one of the thing uh, doing security and one of the things that my boss used to be very anal about was. If I see your cell phone, you're fired. I don't care what happened. I don't care the circumstances. Mm-hmm. If I see your phone, you're fired. Now, not a year later, he says, nah, look, man, I get it. I get it. You know, your phone is an extension of your person in 2019. Just don't make it fucking obvious. For God's sake, don't make it fucking obvious. I don't want to listen to my supervisor. And it's just, it broke him. You know, the the, the stingent, you know, no phones as you would expect a job to be, you can't enforce that anymore. You just it's simply tough. cannot. It's tough. I, I, I bet teachers can't even enforce it in class anymore. Well, that, 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 was the, that was the point I was trying to make is just, I mean, 
Your cell phone is part of you, whether you like it or not. And that's kind of what I'm saying. It's like we're already quasi-cyborg, mm-hmm. which is okay. Like, honestly, the cell phone has a lot of utility. Sure. I distribute this entire podcast from my cell phone. Hmm. I, I do a lot of the Landy Lodge stuff from my cell phone. Well, I'm gl- a, I'm, a ver- I mean, I'm glad you told me that. I won't destroy it after the cast. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. But it's a, it's, it's a very useful tool. Right. So I get it. Well, But I feel like otherwise, like, like, do you remember what it was like to be alone with your thoughts? All too well, yes. You know, <laughs> all too well. But yeah. that kind of thinking when you're alone is mm-hmm. important. But I've, right. I've seen it with people who they get uncomfortable when there's dead air. Right. So they have to go to their phone. Right. Or when they're in an uncomfortable situation that they otherwise have to sit there and process mm-hmm. and think through or socialize through, they grab their phone. Right. It's like when they're in the waiting room of a place. You mm-hmm. sit in the waiting room of a doctor's office. Every motherfucker, every boomer and millennial yeah. is on their phone. Oh, this absolutely. is not exclusive to a generation. Oh, no, 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 no. This, no. Is, this, is, this is widespread. Our parents use Facebook more than we do yeah, now. This is humankind. You know? This is, this yeah. is, uh, this is not <laughs> discriminating by no, age by any means. Not. But it's almost like people are losing what it's like to just kind of sit and just be yourself. Well, when people have nothing to do, they automatically grab their phones. See, I, I have a theory on that. That's... <clears throat> You know, we are entertained by our phones now more than we are entertained by, you know, books, TV, just because it's on your person all the time. all times. So it becomes less of a, hey, let me just go read an article to, uh, I need to pull the dopamine trigger now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like most people are wired to feel that, give me dopamine moments in, like you said, uncomfortable dead air moments. If you're, if I'm sitting, I'll do it myself. I'll be sitting in a waiting room and whip out my phone. Because why not? I mean, it's not even why not. It's why. Because I'm in a room. I don't know anybody there. I really don't feel like talking to anybody there. It's not really an environment that aids, you know, one-on-one conversation. So I'm going to kill the uncomfortable dead air by staring a hole through my phone, as is everybody else. It's a human nature, and it's because, I mean, we are becoming more and more dependent on that dopamine trigger. Well, that's the thing. It's almost like we're farming for it constantly. Yeah. Um, Um... like, just for an example, mm-hmm. I, I watched the movie with a few friends okay. um, this past weekend, um, and I'm guilty of this too, but I noticed that I was doing it significantly less because I've become very conscious of this type of thing, and I'm doing my best to kind of keep it away, okay. for lack of a better term. But we're watching this movie, and it's not a long movie. It's an hour and a half movie, mm-hmm. and we're watching it, and I notice that the people I'm watching it with, two of them especially, every five, ten minutes had to look at their phone every five, ten minutes, had to look away from the movie and look at their phone for something, had to text somebody, had to like a few things on Instagram or Facebook before they could resume the movie. Right. And in my head, I'm like, that's not, that wasn't a thing that long ago. I remember watching movies with my brothers and there was there was nothing to look away from. If right. you need to distract yourself, you got a snack. Sure. You know, something like that. But right. um I feel like we're already we're struggling with our attention spans. We oh and, yeah, absolutely. And now it's like, dude, people can't even sit through a movie. And I look, no. me myself, the ninety minute movie, I grabbed my phone a couple times. But again, it's something I'm trying to be conscious of. I was pretty good about putting it down right away. Like I'm trying to well, catch myself whenever I go to grab my phone. I try to be like, eh, do you really need to look at right. that? Like, what are you about to do? Is it productive? Is it going to serve you, or are you going to serve the phone? Right. What's it going to be? That's you know. That, well, that's see. It's it's an it's an act of balance, really. At the end of the day, as all things should as be. all things should be. But it's hard to put down a constant source of entertainment, a constant source of feel good, you know, endorphins. But that's my thing, man. Is like, is it? 
to be locked into that world mm-hmm. throughout your whole day. It's right. It's not even human. I mean, you, so you can understand my apprehension about being the, the quote chip. chipped. Yeah. It's just, you know, maybe scientifically speaking, maybe it makes sense. Maybe we could save a lot of lives doing that. You know? Oh, I'm sure we could. But the question but, is, what kind of lives are we saving? Are we saving the lives of people who are just farming for dopamine and distracting themselves until they're dead? You know, because that's my other thing is like, I feel like life is best lived when you take on responsibility. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like the more responsibility you have, the mm-hmm. better you feel. Right. Like, for instance, the job I'm working now, I have more responsibility than I ever have. Mm-hmm. And that feels good. Sure. I feel good yeah, about that. You, you, I mean, if I can just assume, when you're doing said job, you feel like you're contributing. And me personally, there's no better rush than to know that you're making an impact. That you're no helping. How, yeah, even you're in, doing something. Even in the smallest way, right? right? Even in the right. smallest way that you're helping. But what, what I'm afraid of is it's so easy to distract yourself mm-hmm. now that people are not going to be searching for meaning or responsibility, no. that people are just going to farm dopamine and that's, pleasure yeah. for their whole lives. And that is that is a growing concern. I mean, I was joking about this with a coworker who's, I mean, he is 75 years old and he's so anti-technology. And I know I come off as anti-technology, but I got nothing on this guy. He's got a... 1990 whatever flip phone he doesn't text he you know and his whole thing man one day our arms are gonna be the size of t-rex arms and we're gonna be able to do one thing text <laughs> and you know what he's he, right he could be right he's yeah. fucking right yeah definitely shout out to uh clyde yates you are the man clyde yates thanks for the input but uh, uh yeah dude it's it's and look I feel like lately people have been taking the measures to kind of get away from your phones. Mm-hmm. Like they have this new screen time thing yeah. where you see how much screen time you're spending. Now, now uh, again, not to, not to keep stepping on you, but it, okay. that was, if there is not an app that exists for this purpose, I'm going to see what I can to have it developed. I know that there was rumors of an app that just kills every function in your phone for set amounts of time other than your ability to call and receive calls. You can't text. You can't surf the I'm web. Sure, I'm you sure they have an know. app like that. I don't know. I don't know one off the top of my head, but I'm sure mm-hmm. something like that exists. I mean, that's. I truly think that's what we need to do, and it can't be. Uh, and you're gonna see people like going through metaphoric nicotine withdrawals in the street if that app catches on, like trend wise. But I think it'll be for the greater good. It'll be. It will be because you, know, you know what it is, man. It's like when you're farming dopamine all day. Mm-hmm. When you're getting off on being on social media or when sure. you're getting off on watching like a five minute YouTube video or watching fucking porn or mm-hmm. watching anything that just fucking gets you going. It's like the more you do that, mm-hmm. the less it has an effect on you. Of like take caffeine, for example. Oh, yeah. Like if you keep drinking more and more caffeine, the less effective caffeine becomes on you, the less you feel mm-hmm. the caffeine. It's like if you spend your life farming dopamine, mm-hmm. then all the like the, the, the wondrous, beautiful aspects of life aren't going to feel as potent. Like sex that's, isn't going to feel as potent. That's the problem. Eating a delicious meal isn't going to feel as potent. Mm-hmm. Like all, all that kind of stuff. It, 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 you're kind of saturating. It's like you're saturating yourself. And you, I mean, there is such thing as oversaturation. That's, that's a thing. You yep. can only absorb so much and then you're finally you know you're still going to pull the trigger whether you have enough or not and you can't you can never tell whether you have enough and that's why i think it's so important today because you're getting into this where Mm -hmm. there's so much input that's that people have got mm -hmm. to find a way to output it's a cultural phenomenon that we have to work against yeah Mm -hmm. it's like we're we're so sucked in by all this input that wants our attention which attention is the highest currency sure that's what every company is farming for they're farming for your attention that's why the eyes on the top of the pyramid sure they're farming for your attention and at the end of the day 
there's a million things you could Netflix your you could you could spend an entire mm-hmm. lifetime on Netflix and you still won't get to everything you want to get to. No, of course. Wh- whether it's Netflix or Hulu or or YouTube or all the video games or um, <clears throat> even all the music, which right. you know you know. Oh, now no, that no. these things can't be fulfilling experiences, you could watch a TV show that's mm-hmm. wonderful and it could actually be a real human connection and you actually have a real experience, mm-hmm. much like you could with music, right. much like you could with a good video game. Sure. So I'm not saying these things well, are all bad. No, 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 they're not. It's ba- just the it's... idea that you can't really spend your life taking in everybody else's stuff. You, ha- I think everyone needs to find a vehicle where they can output, whether that's working out at the gym, whether that's writing a book, whether that's doing a podcast, playing an sure. instrument, sure. Um, writing poetry, just some kind of output. I think people go insane without output. And I think social media mm. is, I think social media takes people and makes that their output. Like when people need an output, that's why they make those Facebook statuses. That's why they make emotional tweets. That's why it's like people are starving for some kind mm-hmm. of output. Right. So they settle for these half-baked ways of expressing yourself. And in the continuation of settling these half-baked little quick dopamine flashes become more important than they are. Yeah. You know, nobody should be getting depressed. And, and this is my anti-social media rant. And again, I, I want to make it very clear. I do not harbor any negative feelings towards anybody who uses it. It's the product as a whole. It, I, I don't like anybody enough on the planet. I don't think anybody likes anybody enough on the planet to want to know what they ate for breakfast or to see <laughs> the 80th picture of their dog. I mean, look, man, it's cool. You want to share? Be my guest. But when you're, you know, when you're posting you know, half, you know, bikini pictures and, you know, you know, naked selfies, you're doing it for attention, you know, anything, even, you know, guys with the shirtless pics, you know, I mean, Hey, you're proud of your abs. That's cool. You know, girls, you're proud of your body. That's, you know, that's great. No, it's good to have a positive body. image. it's definitely good to have a positive body. And in this world where we're constantly judging ourselves, it's rare. And I give anybody who's like that credit, but at the same time it becomes, Oh, well, you know, I only got four likes. I think I need to go on a diet or, oh, man, bro. It's true. It fucks with people, man. Yo, she was the only one that liked that. I got got to lift more. It becomes a problem. It becomes, you become obsessive over imagined flaws, rather. And And I've seen it happen. It's, you know, hell, I was victim myself. I I think all of us mm -hmm. have been victim to it at one point. Sure. You know? It's part of, but I feel like that, you know, that fall lies on the shoulders of our addiction to social media and Facebook. I mean, people just update statuses that, okay, cool, yeah, that was funny, that was witty, but why are you posting that? Like, are, oh, okay, okay, I'm seeing, okay, you got 18 likes, and that's, you know, and then you got, oh, you got comments rolling in. You know, you probably just, again, pulled a dopamine trigger. Nothing wrong with it, but when it becomes your life, let's say you post a comment two hours later that, you know, only your mother likes and just throwing that out there. That's going to hurt your self-esteem. Why is our self-esteem dictated on social media? Why has it come to that? And I think it's the, I think it goes back to what I was saying that starving for output. Mm-hmm. People want to express themselves. They want right. to output. And there's a million great ways to do it. Like I said, whether it's writing, whether it's playing an instrument, sure. whether, whether it's, um, you know, doing a podcast, whether it's um, exercising, going to the gym, there's a million ways you could really express sure, yourself in the sure. world. And I think social media is kind of a, is kind of serving as a trap 
so people settle for you that, know, like I said, that half-baked expression. But, Josh, we we have there. gone a little bit over. Oh, uh, we do need to wrap this up. So I want to give you the sure. floor for the last few minutes. Okay. Deliver the message you want to deliver. Uh, tell the people about Termina. Tell the people about your fan fiction. Sure. Tell the people about what you got going on. What could they expect? We're going to have you back on okay. after the rise of Skywalker. I'd like to have you on in January. I know that'll be relatively soon. It's only maybe like five to ten episodes from now, but I would love sure. to have you back on and talk about it. You're the biggest Star Wars fan I know. Um, but the floor is yours, Josh. Uh, Take it away. I'll like this. Uh, once again, Nick, thank you for having me on here. This has been an absolute pleasure. Been um, a pleasure to have you. It's it's always cool to do things like this. Um, but as far as the as far as the Star Wars thing goes, um, look, I'm kind of a ghost. In case you didn't pick up on that, I don't do social media. I will find a way to to share this story once it's completed. I have no due date. It's a constant, perpetual work in progress, but. Keep it locked and loaded here to the Landy Lodge, and he will have details that I will provide him once I figure out what said details are. As far as Termina goes, we have music coming, and I would like to personally thank everybody that stuck with us from day one, maybe even from our very first concert, our very first acoustic set in a classroom. Thank you for everybody that stuck with us through thick and through thin. You know, we are not able due to our own life circumstances to pump out music but i feel like that little hiccup will yield better results in the end and i only hope that everybody there can feel the same way the music is coming we are still alive we are still very alive and we can't wait to make more music and again i'm just you know me personally i hope everybody listening enjoys it as much as and i'm going to speak for both nick and steve i hope everybody enjoys it as much as we did making it because that just everything comes full circle and it's it's the fans that keep us alive because we know that our voices are being heard so again thank all of you thank you for having me on here amen dude it was a pleasure having you on mm-hmm. uh yes thank you to everybody who's been following before we sign off just want to let you know this man as he mentioned he's a ghost he's too cool for social media but if you want to relatively keep up with what he's got and all, got going on, you can follow at Termina Records on Instagram. Oh, you can follow you Termina on Facebook. Again, we don't update a lot. We're a very slow-moving project. But as Josh says, it will be worth the wait. Uh, we, we, we do have a lot of fun making this Absolutely. stuff. Every time the three of us meet up, it, it's a freaking blast, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so stay tuned. Josh, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for traveling all the way down hey. here. Everybody, thank you for listening. Episode 48's wrapping up. We'll see you next time. Take care. The whole blinking cosmos, with all its galaxies, and forever and ever and ever, whatever it is beyond that, what you might call God in the Western tradition, or Brahman in Hindu philosophy, or Tao in Chinese. Every one of us is really that, but we are pretending we are and we are pretending with tremendous skill and deception who are you